We are pleased to be joined on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline by Chris Lowe of ESPN, talking college football with us. Chris, good afternoon. How are you? I'm great. Good to be with you guys. The real CeeLo. What's up, CeeLo? <laughs> no, the real CeeLo was honored at halftime of the Arizona State game the other night. You know that, Slay. I saw that, man, but he's just he's just a shooter, CeeLo. you the real CeeLo, though. <laughs> like, well, hey. I, was, I, was a little, I was a little better defender than Lofton. How, how do you like the beard, though? Lofton's sporting man, the beard. I told him, man. Like I, 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 I saw him doing this about two years ago, and I was asking him, like, Chris, you're already slow, dog. Why would you – Put another, <laughs> put something else on you that's gonna make you seem even slower. Like you don't know no fast bearded guys. Like what are you doing, Chris? <laughs> I got, I got called about man. You know what though, CeeLo, man, when are they gonna retire CeeLo's jersey? That's the same thing. The question. That's, well, I, that's that's the real question. That's in the works, Lane. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's coming. I don't know if they're gonna get around to it this year, but right. I've talked to enough people over there that that's. Um, Mm-hmm. Something that's definitely going to happen. You're going to see uh, number five hanging in the rafters. That's dope, man. To later. That's dope. So, do they do him and Grant at the at the same time, or you know what I'm saying? Like, you hey. know, I, I bet you they wait until Grant's done playing. Mm-hmm. I, I think mm-hmm. they'd like to sort of wait. Chris, Chris is on his like 15th year. Playing. That, that's and that's what I was about to say. <laughs> right, right. They probably would like to wait till those both those guys get done playing pro basketball. Yeah. Okay. I was about to say, whoever my YMCA basketball coach was when I was a kid had no chance with me because I thought I could shoot a fadeaway like Chris Lofton growing up. Indeed. That was the end of my basketball career. Nothing mm-hmm. else, just that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, hey. Lofton, too, guys, he shot that, he shot that line drive. He had that yeah. lean back, line drive shot. Yep. It's just incredible how he was able to make that. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. Exactly. Uh, well, Chris, we appreciate the time. It's obviously a busy week in college football, we were talking before the break about just how quickly now with the playoffs being on New Year's Eve, how quickly things shift from you're talking group of five opponents exclusively playing now to the really important stuff coming up uh, later on this week. But uh, with the CDC kind of changing the guidelines, isolation for five days versus 10 days now to COVID-19 uh, earlier this afternoon, COVID has been the center of the conversation around any sport, how much more change do you think we might see in the protocols and in the steps uh, as the college football playoff gets closer? Yeah, well, first of all, I think you'll, you'll see every league adopt that. In fact, the ACC has already announced today that they're going to that from 10 days quarantine to five days. And I think you'll see every other league, the SEC, the Big Ten follow suit. Uh, that way, you, you know, if a kid's in that protocol, and you're in 10 days, I mean, you got no chance to play. Whereas five, if it's five days, you fall into that window, you've got a chance to play. So I, I would be shocked, guys, if you don't see every league adapt those protocols. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, it's interesting to kind of see how every league is has adjusted and everybody's kind of changed. And Georgia uh, has talked a lot about they're kind of in a COVID hotspot, and they get out of that by going to prepare uh, for taking on Michigan as you look at that game specifically, let's start with this matchup, Chris. Uh, what's the biggest thing that you took away from Georgia's loss to Alabama? How much of that do you think was uh, Alabama just being that good? How much of that maybe exposed some weaknesses we weren't really sure existed within Georgia? Uh, well, I think, first of all, Alabama was more equipped to really exploit Georgia's secondary than Michigan will be. Um, I, I'm not sure Michigan has the passing game to do to them what Bryce Young and Jameson Williams 
and those guys did at Georgia. So that, that's the first thing. Now, the, the flip side of that is I do think Michigan's front seven, you know, from Aiden Hutchinson all the way across the front, uh, are going to give Georgia some issues. You know, and, and can Bennett make some plays down the field? Can Georgia protect him? You know, can he do, do enough to scramble, to evade that rush, to buy himself some time? to throw the football and make some plays down the field because Michigan's good enough in their front seven uh, to give them a lot of problems. So I think those are the two things that I look at. A, can Georgia protect Bennett? Can Bennett buy himself enough time to make some plays down the field? And B, uh, can Michigan exploit that secondary the way Alabama did? I, I don't think they can, but I will say this. As good as Georgia is in their front seven, uh, they hit some things. They hit some limitations and some deficiencies in their secondary this year. Mm-hmm. Do um, looking at looking at the Cincy team, high scoring. You know they want to get that's they have a chance. You know, and I'm I'm not gonna bet on them. I'm just saying they have a chance if the game is up and down, don't they? Don't they, Chris? Better than Nick saying, you know what, Coach Saban saying, you know what, we're just gonna pound these guys out and show our, our physical strength and just control it right here in the trenches. Yeah, I don't think Slay, I don't think Cincinnati matches up right. physically with Alabama. And that's not to say they don't have some good players, because they do. I'll, I'll say this, when you watch the game Friday night, you're going to see on that Cincinnati team five or six guys mm-hmm. that will play in the NFL. So, I mean, don't feel sorry for these guys. Like, they've got one guy who's NFL-type material, and they've got a lot of guys who are just going to be hanger-ons. I mean, they've got some real talent. Mm-hmm. I went up there to watch him and spent some time with him back in November and was really impressed with their talent level and the way they've developed players there in North Fickle. But there again, they don't have the depth. They don't have the depth across the line of scrimmage that Bama does on either side of the ball. Right. So I think what Cincinnati's got to do is they got to figure out a way on first down to make some plays, you know, mm-hmm. sort of open up that defense. Because if they're trying to run the football and it's constantly third and seven, third and eight, that's where Alabama will feast on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why I don't think ultimately, I just don't think Cincinnati's going to be able to hang with them. I do think Cincinnati will play with them, but I think Bama will do what they've done to a lot of teams this year. They'll wear them down in the fourth quarter. Right. right. Chris, uh, uh, coming up tomorrow, Houston and Auburn starts off these four SEC games between uh, tomorrow through Thursday. Uh, really interesting season for Brian Harson and Auburn. It's not every day that a team. Uh, could beat Alabama to get to seven wins, uh, which is what his team was really close to doing in that Iron Bowl. What do you make of the job he has done this year, and how important is a game like this for all these first- and second-year head coaches to try to build some momentum heading into next season? Well, I, I think these games are, are more important for guys like Harrison and Hype who, who are taking over programs for the first time to as you said, to build some momentum, to really sort of segue into the off-season conditioning program, to segue into spring practice. You know, Auburn was a tough team for me to figure out this year because there were some games where they played, and you thought, these guys are pretty good. They're really ready to sort of take off and have a really good stretch of games, and then they lose one. It's, you know, mm-hmm. They're up, what, three, four touchdowns against Mississippi State, and Mississippi State comes back and beats them. Uh, as you said, they played, really outplayed Alabama for 95% of that game. Mm-hmm. And Bryce Young of Bama has that you know, miraculous drive there to send the game into overtime. So they were a hard one for me to figure out. And, and maybe it's part because he's coming, you know, Harson's coming from a different part of the country. 
in the SEC territory. You know, he had not recruited, uh, not really coached in the SEC before. So maybe it takes some, some time to get your feet up from under you, or up under you, I should say. Uh, but he's a good football coach, and he's won uh, everywhere he's been before. So I think it's hard to really assess him, I think, until we see him a year or two from now, what all the program is. Well, Chris, the other fascinating matchup to me tomorrow, the Mike Leach Bowl, uh, the Liberty Bowl between Mississippi State and Texas Tech. It's a a Texas Tech team that loses four of its last five, but uh, that included a three-point loss to Baylor, a one-point loss to Kansas State. They beat Iowa State 41-38 to as their one win in their last five games. Uh, This is a really interesting matchup, and I'm kind of surprised to see Mississippi State as a 10-point favorite in this one. Well, you better loosen up your neck because I bet you the Bulldogs scored <laughs> about 65 times in this game. Right. <laughs> I mean, the the ball that much. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mike, I think Mike's still waiting on Texas Tech to pay him when they owe him. <laughs> when, when, when they pushed him out of there. So I, if they get up on him, something says he won't take any mercy on him. But, no, I think State is, uh, is another team this year that at times I thought, you know what, they're going to have a difficult time finishing the season out with a, a chance to go to the postseason. But then they make the kind of comeback they did against Auburn. You know, they had some games where you looked at them, you said, "Well, these guys are really good." I think defensively they probably were a little bit better than I thought they would be at times. And I think ultimately in this game, they're going to score points and they're going to throw the football down the field. We know each teams do that, but I think that defense probably is a little bit better than we give them credit for. And I think that's the reason they'll end up winning this football game. Before we dive into the Tennessee and Purdue game, let me ask you this. Another one that's 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 coming across my radar, Oklahoma and Oregon. Oklahoma, their coach is out of there. Oregon, their coach is out of there. Oregon needs to save face, CeeLo, with what they put on what they put on, on the field against Utah. That that was I, I don't I don't know what that was. the players look disinterested and I know the coach was pretty much one foot out the door, but don't they have to save face? And Oklahoma needs to prove that they are somebody getting ready to walk into the SEC and compete as well. So what do you see in these two in, in these two teams right here? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what it was, Slay. It was embarrassing mm-hmm. to play mm-hmm. in that game. I mean, they did play. You're, you're, you nailed it, man. They looked like a team that didn't want to be there. And you wonder at that point if word is circulating. Well, I mean, you played mm-hmm. at a high level. You know, you can't keep things from the players. No. They know what a coach is maybe half in, half out, or on his way out. And they played that way, you know. And, and of course, you know, a few weeks later, Mario Cristobal is going to Miami. Um, so, no, both teams without coaches that they started a season with. I mean, think about how much college football changes from the first week of September, the yes. second week of September, to where we are right now. Oregon goes to Ohio State and beats Ohio State at Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And everybody's talking about, okay, Oregon's the team that's going to sort of finally get the Pac-12 back to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It sort of unravels for them. Cristobal goes to Miami. Oklahoma comes in with Lincoln Riley. Are they going to go back to the playoffs? They seemingly have been every year. Well, he's not, like, not even there. And Spencer Rattler, by the way, yeah. who is everybody's choice to win the Heisman <laughs> Trophy, he didn't even finish the season as a starter. Now he's at South Carolina. Mm-hmm. So college football has changed so much in the last few years with the transfer portal and not just the players. Let's not hold the players to a different standard. Right. Those coaches, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, they're leaving Mario Cristobal, you know, leaving their sort of team, leaving their team's high and drive per se. Um, but I agree with you. This is a game 
probably both of those teams, Slay, if you if you pull those players, hasn't been a lot of fun with the yeah. way the season's gone, losing their coaches. So whoever can win this game maybe has a little bit of satisfaction that they at least finished up on a strong note as they go into what are new ears with new head coaches at both places. Yeah. Chris Lowe with us here on 3HL. Chris, of course, no George Karloftis, no David Bell for Purdue on Thursday uh, against Tennessee in the Music City Bowl. Now Milton Wright, their number two wide receiver, out in this game. Uh, it, it seems like this Purdue team is certainly more shorthanded at this point than Tennessee is, but what an opportunity this is for Josh Heupel to play in front of what's going to be a really good crowd, trying to recruit the city of Nashville, you know, and kind of kickstart a recruiting cycle and uh, in an area that wasn't as good for him in this last recruiting class, albeit in a in a pretty good class. But uh, what do you make of this matchup now where Purdue goes from being a favorite when this thing opens up to now being a pretty heavy underdog without all these players? Yeah, I'm like Slay. I'm not a big not big on gambling when it comes to football. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if I had Slay's checking account, I think I'd go put about 80% of it on the ball. <laughs> I, I just, you know, without without those players and the way Tennessee finished up the season, I went over there on campus about, it's been about a week and a half now, mm-hmm. and spent some time with Coach Heupel, talked to a couple of players, Ailis Jones, spent some time with some of the staff. And I can tell you, there's a real sense on that team that they want to finish this season out the right way. Yeah. And they really do see this as the first game of next year. See, unlike a lot of teams, every day, just, just a minute ago, I saw where Ohio State's going to be out several of their key players in the Rose Bowl. Tennessee's sort of been the exception. Mm-hmm. Most of their guys, if not all of them, are coming back. Cedric Tillman's coming back. Hayden Hooker's coming back. Those guys, want to, they want to sort of win this game mm-hmm. and have that segue into next season. Mm-hmm. And – I think that's the difference. There's a lot of momentum with Tennessee. Uh, there's a feeling that this team really sort of found itself again this year after, I mean, Bayless Jones told me, guys, in fact, I got a piece for it on Tennessee later this week. Okay. He said football just wasn't fun around here. Mm. And we sort of had lost that. And mm. Heupel and, and the staff he brought in and the way they were sort of create that brotherhood and make it fun again um, has really sort of put a charge to this program. Uh, I, uh, you know, I've lived in, in the Knoxville area now for going back to '97, and and, and I'm, not, I'm not talking about the former glory years, but the right. last ten years, this seems to be about as much buzz around Tennessee football mm-hmm. as I've seen in a long time. I think you credit Heifel's, how steady he's been, his accountability, his consistency, and he was really smart in the way he put together his staff. You look at his staff and from different places, different conferences guys who've had some SEC experience. I think the way he got those guys to play hard for each other and buy in, uh, he has made, I think, a bigger impact in year one than anybody ever would have thought was possible. And, and, and CeeLo, that's the funny thing about it. You've been around the program this long and, and being able to see it and see it flourish and then go back down and try to come back up. That that testament, you took, you, you took the words out of my mouth. You talk about consistency when you're dealing with a guy like Hypo. That's what was missing, the consistency, the culture, and then also him being able to speak to the media and not not so much give them anything but not hold anything either. It's just it's this this is what it is. It ain't no, man, we, we climbing a mountaintop. It ain't no hoorahs or none of that. It's just this is what we're going to do. Watch us work. 
and let the players take all the credit for it. Yeah, he, he's very much play a ball coach. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's cerebral. He's a smart guy. He's not a you know he's not a slogan rah rah type of guy. Yeah. Uh, but he, he's got a, if you sit down with him, Josh is a really pleasant, good guy to talk to. But it's about football. It's not about him, and he's never really made it about him. Mm-hmm. And I think the players see that. You know that. I mean, players yeah. watch. Yeah. Yep. They watch a lot of times more than they listen. <laughs> Without question. The example and the, sort of the way he's gone about his business and been the same guy every game, every week, uh, has really made uh, – has paid big dividends with his football team. And I think most Tennessee fans would agree that there's real hope and real excitement to see where he could take this team over the next couple of years. And see, CeeLo, we're going to get you out of here, but before we let you go, coming out for Christmas – the last time me and you were together may have been the Rainbow Classic. And um, speaking of <laughs> speaking of kids and student athletes watching, see a lot of people may wonder. There's a picture floating around where I got the coconut breast, coconut <laughs> bra on with the hay skirt. Whoa. But people don't understand, oh, man. You waited until like five yeah, forty to watched. talk about this. Yeah, Where's we, this been? Come but on, we watched. We watched. So if they see that picture floating around, just know, man, I'm a reflection of my coach. That's all. <laughs> That's all I just hope I'm nowhere in the back of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally googling this right now. That's awesome. <laughs> now you ain't gonna find it, Hunk. I got it. Yeah, That's all. Awesome. Dang it. <laughs> Love it. Love it. All right, hey, Lo, Chris. Thanks so much for the time at CeeLo ESPN on Twitter. Happy New Year to you. We appreciate it as always. Yeah, same to you guys. Take care. All right. All right, Chris Lowe here with us on the Mark Spain Real Estate Hotline.